0: to the Kailal Agra Dapirka. And uh, today we have a special program. And LaKavod, uh, the yard site of the Ben La Ashri, the Huberman, whose yard site is today Yud Gimel Teves. was Nippur in, in 1977. Down. And uh, he was a unique tzaddik in the sense that he combined uh, two different worlds, which is interesting. On the one hand... He was uh, born in Bulgaria, and he was a student of Rabbi Yaakov Mordechai of Bulgaria, and he quotes him many times in his, uh, in his writings. On the other hand, he was also a student of the son-in-law of the, of the uh, Reb Chaim Briskar. So, uh, the Sefer combines some of the Sifre Chasidus, some of the principles of Kabbalah, as well as some Lambdas. So, it's interesting... We mentioned uh, last night that Rav Aron Leib was once asked about the tzaddik of Ranana, and Rav Leib said that uh, the tzaddik Ranana is somebody who had, was able to converse and speak with Eliyoh uh, Hanavi. Uh, somebody once asked the tzaddik Ranana a particular question, and the tzaddik Ranana said, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm going to a brisk tomorrow, I'll be able to ask Eliyoh Hanavi. Okay, um, I'm going to begin by, t- by sharing with you a very interesting story that uh, the Tzach Ranana once said over. The uh, Tzach Ranana once uh, got word that he was going to be visited by uh, none other than the Ger-Rebbe, the Beis Yisrael. Now, the, the Beis Yisrael was known for his uh, punctuality, and it was very hard to get audience with the, uh, the Ger-Rebbe, uh, in terms of, uh, he had many Hasidim, and to get his private audience, uh, it took a while to be able to uh, reserve spot. But the Beis Yisrael would often visit the Tzak Ranana and sort of watch his saintly ways and so forth. And when the Hasidim found out that the Beis Yisrael was going to visit the Tzak Ranana, they felt they would take they would take the opportunity to. Uh, try to uh, gain extra time with the Basis Yisrael. Now, for some reason, the Beis Yisrael was running late. Uh, the, the Beis Yisrael was uh, not able to be uh, at at the location at the time that they thought. And uh, the, the Tzaiq is watching all the Hasidim, waiting for him, waiting for him, waiting for him. And Tzaiq said, you know, you obviously believe in the power of a Tzadik, um, I'll turn that off. Uh, uh, you believe in the power of a tzaddik, so I just want you to, uh, I want to share with you a story about the power that a tzaddik has. It's thrown me off. I want to share with you a story that uh, that a tzaddik has. He says, one time, there was a chassid in um, in Tzach Zagrenana. after being in Bulgaria, he he was a uh, student at Padashi Mishmol in Sochachev. He was a chavrus, actually, with my... Uh, great-grandfather in Sachachav. And there was a particular resident of Sachachav who did not have children. And it was Simcha's Torah, and Avnei Nezer was dancing, dancing, he was dancing up a storm. And this Chasid figured he would take the opportunity to try to ask of the Avnei Nezer to get a bracha to be be visited with Zarechai B'kayamah. So he comes to the Avnei Nezer. was in the peak, in the pinnacle of his uh, dancing and his simcha. And the chassel gets up the uh, courage to ask the Avnei for a bracha. And the Avnei shouts at this chassel. He said, what? You want a bracha for a child? You want to have a child who's going to be a koimer, who's going to be a priest? And the chassel realized that all the years, the reason why... The Avnei never wanted to give him a bracha because he saw Baruch HaKodesh that he was, going to ch- he, he was going to have a child who would be a priest. And the basically the Chassid dropped the issue because he realized what what his uh, descendants would have in store. Many years later, after the Avnei passed away and his son, the Shemishmol, took over the Chassidus, so it was the Simchas Torah, and the Shemishmol was dancing, he was dancing, and he was in the peak of his, chassi, of his uh, simcha, and this uh, particular chasid uh, was sort of despondent, and the Shem Shmuel came over to the chasid, and he said, I want to give you a bracha that you should be zoiche for zarachai vekayama, and the chasid nearly fainted. The chasid uh, said... The Shemesh goes over to him. He says, "What's wrong? I'm trying to give you a bracha that you should have children. You should be mekabel Basimcha. And he told him, he basically told him the story that um, that his father, when he when his father was asked for a bracha to have a child, his father uh, said, "I can't give you such a bracha because you're gonna you're gonna have a child who's gonna be a koimer. You, you have a child who's gonna be a priest." And uh, the Shemesh realized. Why all the years his father never wanted to give him a bracha, but he's there at Simchas Torah and the is thinking, what could he do for this chassid? What could he do for this chassid? He stops. He thinks he's mechaving, and he says, "You know what? I give you a bracha that you're going to have zara chayev kayama. Say amen." And the chassid very hesitantly answered, "Amen." Shortly afterwards, the Holocaust broke out. However, in the interim, this chassid was visited with children, with the Kayama. he had five children. Four of them were Nebuch killed in the Holocaust. And the fifth one survived the Holocaust by masquerading as a priest. So the, the tzaddik Ranana says, you see that Sadiqim, they have the power to what is called to be Mamtik the Dinim. Yes, there was a looming gezerah on this particular chassid that he was a, he was going to have a child who would be a priest. That's what the avdei nezer foresaw. The shemishma the koyach to sweeten the dinim that through that through the midas harachamim he was able to his life was saved because his uh, his life was saved because he was able to masquerade as a priest. So I want to share with you some choice divrei Torah regarding parshas va'yichi from um, the tzaddik Nana. We're going to begin with the pasuk. Are you able to see on the uh, on the screen the the Mar Yeah, can you see that? You can see. Well, fine. Yes. Okay. Very yes, good. Yes. Now we know Chazal tell us in the bracious Rabba whenever it says he, it's only a lotion of Tsara. What was the Tsara over here? What was the Torah that Yaakov lived 17 years? Furthermore, what's Yimei Yaakov and Shenei Chayav? he Yimei Yaakov, Shenei Chayav. What's the double Lushen over here? So it says the Ranana I wrote earlier, Yaakov Avinu did not live as long as Yitzhak Avinu. Yitzhak Avinu lived 180 years. How long did Yaakov Avinu live? Yaakov Avinu lived 147. Now, there are really two ways of saying it. The, the way the Zayar says it is that Avram Avinu was supposed to live 180 years like Yitzchak. He gave over five years of his life to David HaMelech. Yaakov Avinu was supposed to live 175 years like Avraham. He gave 28 years to David. That's 33 years. And Yosef was supposed to live 147 years like Yaakov and he gave 37 years to David. That's where David got his uh, 70 years from. Where did David get his 70 years from? He got 5 from Abraham, he got thirty-three, excuse me, he got 28 from Yaakov, and he got 37 from Yosef. Those are the 70 years of David. Another way to say it is that Abraham did not give any uh, any years away. Yaakov gave, Yaakov lived 147 years, he gave away 33 to David and Yosef gave 37. So the question is, Rabbi Isai, why did David have to get 70 years twice? Because we all know Adam Arishon was supposed to live 1,000 years. He only lived 930 years because he gave 70 of the, of the years to David. So David should have lived 140 years. But we've once spoken out from the Chida that David, in fact, did live 70 years twice because he didn't sleep at night. So since he was learning at night, he got 70 years of day years and 70 years of night years. That's how the Chidah uh, reconciles the Zohar with the teaching of the Medrish. In other words, the Medrish says that Adam gave 70 years. The Zohar says Abraham, Yitzhak and Yaakov gave, Abraham, Yaakov and Yosef gave 70 years. And the answer is, no, he got twice. 70 during the day and 70 during the night. Now let's ask ourselves a question. I have an idea and I want to elaborate it more maybe on Thursday that the Avos were all kings. By Avram Avinu it says Nesia le-kimata You're a prince of God. Rashi says in Parshish Lech Lecha that um, the whole world got together and proclaimed Avram Avinu as a melech. If you look in the Targum Yushalmi in the beginning of Ayyigash Yehuda tells Yosef you think you're a king? My father Yaakov is a king. Yosef, of course, was a king. So therefore, these three royal people, Abraham, Yaakov, and Yosef or all Melachim, gave 70 years to King David. By the way, interesting. How many chapters of Tehillim did David write? According to the Medrash, he wrote 147 chapters corresponding to the years of the life of Yaakov Avinu. So there's a very deep connection between Yaakov and and David. In fact, I want to add that the Medrash brought in the writings of Rabbi NoYona in the Sharia Avodah says that Yaakov Avinu, while he was tending to his sheep, he was saying, Tihilim. So there's a very uh, strong connection between Yaakov Avinu and David HaMelech. Now, you know who else didn't sleep at night? Yaakov didn't sleep at night. It says, He slept in that place, but the 14 years that he spent in Sheva va'Iver, he didn't sleep at night. So we have a question. Why did Yaakov have to give 33 years to, Yos, to David if his years were day years and night years because he didn't sleep at night? He got gypped out of 16 and a half years of his life. Because the same way David should have lived 140, but he lived 70 because he was up during the day and the night, Yaakov Avinu, who for at least 14 years did not sleep at night, he should have been able, instead of giving 33 years to David, give 16 and a half. But for some, Litzarenu, to our utter pain, Yaakov's days were counted, but his nights weren't counted. God only allowed Yaakov to distribute from his day, from the days of his life, not from the night of his life. Ah, oh, says the Tzalek of We explain like this: Yemei Yaakov Shnei The years of the life of Yaakov were only reckoned as his days, not his nights. But if it would have been reckoned as his nights as well, he would have been able to give half of the donation to Yosef, and his lifetime would have been. 16 and a half years longer. Again, this is going with the Cheshbon. This is going with the calculation that Yaakov gave 33 years to David. There's another calculation of the Zayar that he gave 28. By the way, we could say like this Avraham gave years to David. Yaakov gave years to David. Yosef gave years to David. What about Yitzchak? Yitzchak did not give years to David. Perhaps because David needed to be a Melech. Yitzchak maybe did not have Malchus because there's a concept, in Shultoin B'yoym HaMaves. There's no power on the day of Maves. And because Yitzchak was blind and he was already considered B'yoym HaMaves, he's chay. He was in the end, even though he was alive. That's the letters of Yitzchak. So he didn't, he didn't have years of Malchus to give over. Okay. Let us proceed in the next <coughs> little piece. Okay. Um, Yaakov tells Yosef, put your arm on the Mila and swear. So the Chida, in the Midbar Kedemos, he brings from Re- the Mahari Ze'evi, who is investigates based on the Ramban, that the Avais were only mekaim the Torah and the Holy Land. Because Yaakov married two sisters. It was only in Eretz Yisrael, Yisrael that he wasn't married to two sisters. So what good is it for Yaakov Avinu to make Yosef swear that he would bury him in Eretz Yisrael, but Yosef is not bound by the Torah and Chutz So Yosef could swear and... Uh, violate the shvuah. The, the Avos were not bound by the Torah in Chutzaret. So what good is it for Yaakov to make Yosef swear? By the way, I would humbly answer that question. That if you look in the Hakdama Tashas. Uh, let's see, they have a Shas over here. Mesachta um, Brachos. Anybody know? Who wrote the Hakdama Tashas? You open up a brachos, thank you, and <coughs> you have something called Hakdamas. Rabbi Rav Nislam Goin. Rav Nislam wrote a Hakdamat And in Rav, um, Rav Nislam Goin's he sets forth the following rule. That any commandment which is a Dovar sikhli, anything which is logical, even Bnei Noyach are commanded on. So I would answer this question, that it's true the Avais were not bound by the Torah and Chosaret, but keeping one's word in an oath is a, a davar sichli. It's a matter, matter of uh, common sense. It's sort of something logical. And therefore Yaakov understood that, that in fact Yosef would be bound by it. Let's continue further. So the Echidah brings an answer that Yosef knew Baruch Kodesh that he would die. And he would be left in Mitzrayim until he would leave the Gallas. So he accepted upon himself specifically to keep the Torah even in Chutzlah Meaning like this. The Avais only kept the Torah in Eretz Yisrael because they made it to Eretz Yisrael. But Yosef, who knew he would never make it back to Eretz Yisrael, he bound himself to keep the Torah even in Chutzlah Now, says the Tag you have to say that. Because we know Yosef kept Shabbos. How do we know Yosef kept Shabbos? The Apostle says, "The Tavach, Tavach, V'Hachin prepare the Shita for Shabbos. Furthermore, he was makbed behocho Why was he And In Egypt, you could uh, you could eat seafood in Egypt. You're not in Israel. The answer is Yosef knew he would never make it back and therefore he bound himself to the Torah even in Chutzach. However, says in his opinion, it's not a question to begin with. And that is, why did Yosef select the land of Goshen for Yaakov Avinu? The answer is... Because Sarah already was given the land of Goshen by Paro and when, when Paro abducted Sarah and he then gave uh, Sarah the Haaretz, he gave her Goshen and Goshen had the status of Eretz Yisrael. In fact, if you look in Sefer Yehoshua and you look in the borders of Eretz Yisrael, the cities of Israel, one of the cities mentioned was Goshen. And the Mefarshim asked, the Radak asked, what do you mean, Goshen's in Egypt? So, either the Radak says there are two Goishens, or he says that there was a little piece of Goshen from Egypt that jutted out all the way into Eretz Yisrael, and Goshen literally had the status of Israel. So it comes out, says the Tachiranana, that that's why Yosef made sure, that's why Yaakov made sure to make Yosef swear in Goshen, because in Goshen you do have to keep your word, because Goshen had the status of Eretz Yisrael. And that's why Jews, when they go to the Catskill Mountains, they like to drive through the rest stop of Goshen because they think it's like uh, going to Israel. But uh, just just for the sake of halacha, one is not considered being Mekai in the midst of Yishav Eretz Yisrael by traveling through that rest stop. Okay, let us continue in the drush. It was said to Yaakov. he says, Hey, Joseph's coming, and Yisrael strengthened himself. Think about the words. They told Yaakov, Yosef is coming. Ah! Oh, and, Yo- and Yaakov strengthens himself. As if the message that Yosef was coming made Yaakov weak. So says the Tzadakh uh, Varnana that a very interesting gematria. The gematria of Yaakov, Yosef. By the way, Yaakov. Is seven times Yud Yosef is six times Yud So Yaakov is Gematria 182. Yosef is Gematria 156. Add them all together, you get 638. Chalash. So when Yaakov heard that Yosef was coming, when 182 heard that 156 was coming, he automatically became Chalash. Why? Let's explain. Because until Yaakov came to the world, there was no weakness in the world. Remember, people just passed on. And Yaakov was mespalel that Cholshah should come to the world before people leave the world. And it was also through the, the added fila of Yosef. And therefore, the combination of Yaakov and Yosef produced Cholshah. Now, let me just see. Now that I'm figuring out how to use this now, is the Josh. Josh, you're on today? Soon we're going to do a question that Rabbi Josh asked a couple weeks ago. And uh, I never saw anyone who asked this question. And lo and behold, the Tzaddik Ranana asked the question. Now, now we're going to do a piece of episode. This is a very uh, mystical piece. The Ramban says, that why didn't Yaakov me, uh, bury Rachel in the Maras Is He was embarrassed from his forefathers to be buried next to two sisters. Achosisha. You thought, you know, I'm not going to get the Yavamis in. No, no, Yavamis is in every shir. Yaakov did not want to be buried next to two sisters. He was embarrassed from Avraham and Yitzchak. Says Zaynana, I don't understand. Rachel died before Leah. So what should have been he should have buried Rachel in the Mara Samach Pela. What's the problem? He wasn't married to two sisters, because once one sister dies, you're allowed to remain married to the other. So once Rachel died, Rachel should have been uh, buried there. So, says the Sagranan you have to say, like Rashi tells us, let me see if... Uh, you have to say, like Rashi tells us, that he buried Rachel on the side of the road so that when the Jews are being exiled... Rachel could come out and be Mesphalel. Now, says the Anana, Bechlal, regarding why Yaakovino did not bury Rachel in the Ma'asa Machpelah. it's very simple. There wasn't room. You know, there's only room for four pairs. That's why it's called Kiryas Arba. If it was called Kiryas Hamisha, there would be plenty of room for Rachel. It's called Kiryas Arba. I don't know, Hashem uh, just gave me an idea of why Rachel Imenu was not buried there. It's interesting that who was buried in the Ma'aretz The head of Esav. If Yaakov was buried with Leah and Rachel and Esav's head, it might be embarrassing to Rachel people might say, oh, Rachel's is buried, buried with Esau. Even though Esau wasn't Zocha to marry her, Bechayev, but now, you know, it's all said and done, they have eternal uh, connection together. So the Yuban Shal maybe didn't want, you know, Rashi brings many times in Bereshav that whoever was going to marry Yaakov, the other one was going to be somehow connected to Rachel. In fact, we set a very novel point, that the reason why Rachel was Zolchet to have Yosef, was the adversary of Esau, is because Rachel gave up and gave Leah to Yaakov and jeopardized perhaps having to marry Esau. So God says, don't worry, you're not going to have to marry Esau. You're going to be Zolchet to have the antithesis of Esau. But Rachel said, look, leave me Adam and Pela. I don't want to be buried anywhere near that, that person. Okay. In any event... The Yitzhak says, I, in the Gemara Psachim, the Gemara says that Yaakov Avinu, when they have the big Suda, they're going to give to Yaakov to be Mavarech. Yaakov's going to say, I don't want to be Mavarech, I, I can't, I'm uh, married to two sisters. So the Yitzhak says, a very novel shot in that. He says, we know that Akash called Yaakov Avinu Kale. And the reason why he was called Kale, and the reason why he was able to marry two sisters... Is because on God's Kise hakavod, the design of the kisseh hakavod according to the Navi is isha el achosa, a woman and her sister. So since that's the design on the Kise hakavod, therefore Yaakov, who's called Kale, was allowed to marry two sisters. So you know why Yaakov doesn't want to be mevarich because he says, I'm married to two sisters, so it's, I'm like the Rebbe Nishloilam. So it would be incongruous for me to give a bracha because it's like I'm being mavarech myself. Because since I have the status of kale, because I'm allowed to marry two sisters, so it's not that Yaakovino didn't want to be mavarech because of any hate on his part, just the opposite, because he was on such a high that he was able to marry two sisters, he felt that he wasn't worthy to, uh, not that he wasn't worthy, it would not look proper. Okay. Another very interesting point. We've explained, and this is a share we gave on Pashas Chuma. There are four ways of, of uh, spelling out the Yud k And they correspond to the Olam Asiya, which is Brachos. Olam Yitzira, which is Psuket Zimra. Olam Briya, which is Kriya Shema, and the elmat Silos, which is shwan esa there are four ways of spelling god's name yud k vav k gematria 52 and that's when you spell the yud yud vav dalet you spell the hey 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 the yud uh, the vav 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 and the hey 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 that's 52 you could get Yud ke vav ke 45 if you spell the he is hey aleph. You could get 83, um, so it should be 63 if you spell it with a combination of alephs and yuds. And ayin bays is the full spelling of Hashem's name. The yud is yud vav dalid, the he is he yud, the vav is vav yud vav, and the he is also again he yud. If you add up all the four four spellings of Hashem's name, you get two thirty two. The Yidgu L'raiv, the Yidgu Laraiv is a special bracha. The bracha is that we should be zoychah to draw great sanctity, L'raiv, till Hashem's four names fills the whole world, Bekerev Haaretz, even in the earthliness of this world. L'arayv, 232, is the sum total gematria of all the four spellings of Hashem's name, whether it's 52, whether it's 45, whether it's 63, or whether it's 72. Now, another uh, beautiful chedosh. Kibes Bayayin levushai. The Svarim HaKadoshim tell us that the body... Is called the cloak of the neshama. The body is merely a a dress. The body is merely a lavush. The body is merely clothing to the soul. Yayin is a remes to the secrets of the Torah. When the pasuk says "kibes by lavushai," he he washes with wine his cloak. Where this is a tefillah that. We know that our body exerts a downward pull on our soul. Our soul is ruhani, ruch, And even though the soul uh, yearns to connect to the Rav but nevertheless, the body pulls it down. But through learning the secrets of the Torah, the secrets of the Torah sanctify the body, that the body does not um, pull down the neshama. So ha- Yaakov Avinu is Mavarech Yehuda, Kibes Bayayin levushai. He he washes with the secrets of the Torah his goof so that the goof is not pulled down so that the goof does not pull down the neshama. Okay, interesting question. By all of the brothers in the Berchas Yaakov, it's Ruvein Bacheriata Shimon Valevi Yehuda Ata Yaduca Yisachar Zevulon, and all of a sudden we get to Asher. It doesn't say Asher. It says May Asher. Rabbi Nebuchadnezzar wants to know why does it say may He says as follows. In the brach of asher it wants to be merames to the coming of Mashiach. May asher shemein al-achmai. The so these words Me-asher shemein al is Gematria 370. Im ha it's Gematria boi yavoi manachim ari. Which refers to the idea that the Medrash tells us the the exiles will only be gathered in in the merit of the limud of mishnayis, and the Berhetev brings neshama is or Shemena, is oisios mishna. This is what it means. May asher shemina lachmay is um, a lotion of mishna through the learning of mishna. May asher is rashi tevayis. Mem Shin Lamed Gematria that from Shevet Yehuda will come the Menachem will come the great consolation. Namely, boy Yavoy Menachem Ari, it will come the consoler, the lion, referring to the Mashiach from uh, Shevet Yehuda. Okay, here's the closing piece to um, here's the closing piece of the Tzaddik for today. He brings a very interesting question. This question, uh, Josh Rosenthal, if you're here or, or if you hear it later, he asked me this question a couple of weeks ago. It's a re- really a very basic question that perhaps we would uh, overlook. And that is in the Chumash, the Torah tells us about the death of, Av- of Sarah, a Sarah. It alludes to the death of Rivka, it's a, and Rashi brings that there's a remez to the p'tira of Rivka. Of course, it talks about the death of Rachel. And nowhere in the entire Chumash does it talk about the death of Leah Imena. There's no mention, there's no remez, there's no illusion, no, no insinuation that Leah died. Why? Why is there no remez that Leah died? So in the Holy Sefer to Pharaoh's Yisrael, he asks, why does the Torah not say that Leah died? It says that Thomas Rachel. So he says in amazing pshat, Rachel, when she saw the Dudaim of Ruven, she says, T'Lea, Lachin Yishkav im Yaakov will lay with you tonight in exchange for the Dudaim. And the Mekubalim say, the Layla refers to the Golos. Rachel was saying to... Leah, Yaakov will stay with you during Golas. You will be buried with Yaakov. I will not. I'm going to be buried on the side of the road. You'll be buried for all time with Yaakov. Now, Yaakov didn't die. Yaakov of Inolai Nowhere in the Chumash does it say Yaakov died. It says Yisrael died, but not Yaakov. So since it doesn't say Yaakov died, and Rachel tells Leah, you're going to be... In death with Yaakov, Leah didn't die either, and therefore the Torah doesn't say that she died, because since she is with Yaakov b'misa and Yaakov loy meis, Leah no loy But there's another, a very important idea, and that is there is a Kabbalistic idea, and we once spoke about this, uh, comparing Kever Rachel to the Ma'ar Samachpela how Kever Rachel is very revealed. It's a dome in a very prominent area. It's the most well-known grave site. And the Maras pela is Kever Shabbatosh Kever. It's Machtara Betach Machtara. It's a cave under a cave. It's not above ground. It's not even underground. It's under the underground. There's an idea that Re- Rachel Imenu represents Olam Iskalaya, the revealed world. Le'ah Yimeinu is de Iskasaya, the hidden world. We once explained that God has two connections to the Jewish people. He's connected, so to speak, secretly, hiddenly. And in that sense, Yaakov is buried with Le'ah in a hidden realm. In other words, in a hidden realm, God's marriage to us is constant. But in the revealed world, in the world of Rachel, in the revealed world, God's marriage with us is... Is somewhat strained, like we're Ki'almona, in a way we're like a widow. So uh, in the realm of Rachel, we're not together with God right now. In the realm of Leah, we're always with Him. So Rachel's death is mentioned because Rachel's Oilam the she's the revealed world. Leah's death is not mentioned because she, she's Oilam de she's the hidden realm. Okay, Rabbi uh, Isai, I'm very sorry for the delay. There were many, many technical difficulties. And uh, when things start on time, with all the things, it's uh, it's somewhat miraculous, because there's really a lot of equipment. Um, The schedule now is, uh, there's no EGAR Sagram Monday and Tuesday. We're going to resume Wednesday, and uh, Wednesday night there'll be a shir. And uh, until then, wish everybody a great day. Shkoyach.